And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 317 of This Old Marketing for March 31st, 2022. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and well... Let's face it, a guy who hasn't been slapped by Will Smith, Mr. Joe Polizzi. I, 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 I don't know what to say about all that. What do you have to say about all that? Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't know if you were going to go there, but you obviously. Oh, of course did. I'm going there. Of course I'm going there. There, there's, there, I, absolutely I'm going there. There is yeah. a, actually an article that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote that was my favorite about how horrible and disgusting that was that that happened and oh it's awful and and i i and i i don't know the inner workings of all this but but what i couldn't understand was how did they not take him away he just committed they tried to they that's what and that's what i learned afterwards i didn't at the time i'm like what what and what was it you just wouldn't go that was like when they tried apparently he said no i'm not leaving Yeah, yeah but he doesn't get a choice if you just come up to somebody <laughs> well, and slap yeah. them in the face, yeah. first of all, I mean, regardless yeah, I'm getting, of charges, if I do that, I'm getting forcibly removed. Is what has, is what's getting? Yeah, normal I'm getting, people. I'm that, getting forcibly removed. I just feel so disgust. I'm so disgusted. I, the thing that disgusted me the most, Robert, was that his son Jaden tweeted, "This is how we whatever he said. This is how we do it. This is how we do." So his son's coming out and saying, yeah, you know what? We don't have to use words. We, we have to go up. What I was, of course, we're all, you know, playing Monday morning quarterback here. But I, sure, I yeah. wouldn't it have been wonderful if it's the whole alopecia thing? Wouldn't it have been wonderful? Let's say he storms the stage, which he shouldn't have done anyways. Everybody gets made fun of. They're all, you know, multimillionaires and they're, they know this is coming. Uh, right, two multimillionaires get in a fight. Yeah, yeah. So, but what if he went up and he's all upset? But instead of hitting Chris, he turns around and says, "You know, I just want to point out uh, that how alopecia has affected my life and my family's life, and let me talk to you about this. And this is why I'm so emotional right now. And he could have done a little PSA about it. Wouldn't that have been something? But no, instead of using words, I got to go up and hit somebody because. I can't, you know, somebody's using words against me, but I, I can't be an adult and use words against them. I have to hit them. Yeah. Well, he's, uh, look, he's clearly got something else going on in his life. And this was a trigger for whatever that is. And so, you know, I hope he gets the help he needs. That's because, true. Th- th- there's, you know, a, there's, there might be some. A, men, a mental disorder yeah. there, absolutely. That I never, I care. never, you know, I always, I, I always make the assumption, you know, that you know, people in life have troubles that you're not aware of, and you know, when something like this happens, it's like, you know, he's he's clearly going through something, and you know, I mean, because the fact is, he laughed at the joke, and then he looked at his wife. And she wasn't laughing, and that's when he got triggered. So whether he felt bad about that by the fact that he laughed at the joke and that, you know, he shouldn't have been laughing and and then, you know, 
and then decided to feel guilty about it and take action or because it's the buildup of a whole bunch of other stuff in his life, well, it, it kind of doesn't matter. But the the end game is the same, which is, you know, you 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 got to deal with it, and and yeah. you got to deal with that. Uh, you know, so it's just the the thing that I guess is is fascinating to me is how fascinated we are by it. You know, I mean the the the, the number of memes are just absolutely Crazy. insane. And it was the number it was the number one thing talked about for two days on searches and whatever. Yeah, above anything else going on. My now, my question to you is, and we were we were talking about this as a family. Do you think that long term this is going to hurt his career? Oh, absolutely, it's going to hurt his career. Yeah, absolutely. My wife was saying he's done, and I was like, uh, you know nah, what? Some I don't know if he's done. He's not done, but he's he's he definitely didn't do himself any favors. You know, I mean, because if he gets look, if he gets kicked, if he actually does get kicked out of the academy, there there are some. You know, there's some real ramifications. Like if he's not qualified anymore to win any more Academy Awards, that will affect the number of roles that he's offered. That's just, you know, that it just will. Um, and, you know, I mean, not that he necessarily needs those roles per se. You know, he can go back and do, you know, popcorn movies and blockbusters and stuff like that and not win any Academy Awards. But getting kicked out of the Academy is, you know, it's, it, that's reserved for a very, very select few people. They're, you know, the people that are on the list of people who got kicked out of the Academy are, is, it's, it's not a list you want to be on. No, you're right. But it's, it's almost similar, not to bring up football, but it's similar to if somebody was going to make the choice to choose Will Smith as the main actor for their movie, they're making a choice like the Browns did on choosing Deshaun Watson. You stand, you're, you're, you're basically telling people what you stand for when you make that kind of decision. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure it has that kind of legs. You don't think it's a, a, Mel, sure. a Mel Gibson would, type, type of scenario? No, I, no, I don't think it's a Mel Gibson kind of thing. Who, by the way, I, I is finally getting that. roles again because he's in that Father, yeah, father Stu right. coming out. It looks like a pretty good role for him. But yeah. Yeah, that that's what I thought. Yeah, of, this is if he was going to get blackballed, like uh, like Mel. So I I don't think I don't see that being a thing with him. But not I I think this is something that the public will largely get over. You know, because it's not the kind of thing that affects an entire class of uh, of of humanity, right? You know, in other words, you know, him hitting Chris Rock. You know, is the kind of thing where, you know, it's an affront to a particular group uh, or anything like that. It's just, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's a jerk, right? I mean, that's, I mean, that's kind of it. It's kind of over at this point. Did you watch it live? You know, the, uh, I heard about it live, um, but I did not, uh, you were, you I were, didn't see it live. You were probably traveling already and that was... I was because yeah, normally yeah. you watch these things. I I don't normally watch the awards programs, so I didn't know. Because the first thing I thought, because I before I knew anything, and I was just seeing the memes and the tweets and whatever, I thought that it was staged. That's the first. Yes, thing I that thought it came was a bit too. Head. Yeah, yeah. First thing that came to my mind was that it was a bit. Yeah, that that they they had they had done it as a publicity stunt because it would you know it it could be a win win for both of them theoretically. Um, if it had been staged because, you know, Will could have been channeling his, you know, inner King Richard and, you know, all of that. And, you know, I, but the, uh, 
it's pretty obvious now that it wasn't. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, because I saw the somebody tweeted out and said that uh, Chris Rock's next show went from eighty five dollars to four hundred dollars. Yeah, ticket. yeah, he's yeah. So yeah, I I don't know. It's yeah. You know, well, I guess yeah. Uh, Oscars were up fifty six percent in viewership. So. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible that the the, the the increase in in viewership. I mean, and that's obviously before the uh, the incident. I mean, you know, the fact is that you know they didn't need that incident to get a great ratings, but you know they got it. So, and I haven't watched it. There you uh, go. But my wife watched the Coda acceptance speech a couple times, and and I have to watch it. And she said it's very powerful. So I have to spend some time. And watch that one All right. because that was. I watched the movie. I watched the movie on the plane, and probably should just quickly note that I'm, as we record this, if my voice sounds any different, it's because I've got my travel setup going here because I find myself in lovely, jolly old England in the middle of London and uh, on a late afternoon here, and uh, so I watched. I watched Coda on the plane over. I, I have to say, I, I you know, I'm, I know this is going to get me. A, a nasty tweet or two. I don't get it. I I really don't. I, I thought it was a, a nice little movie, but I certainly don't get it as best picture. I haven't watched it, so I you know I was it was like on Mr. my list. Mr. Holland's Opus. It's on right? my list to watch. So I am yeah because Jen now I'm really excited about watching it. If you don't like it, because that's usually <laughs> how I judge whether right? or not I'm going to see a great, movie. That's a great. That's a great indicator. <laughs> yeah, the Robert. That's Rose. a great leading indicator. Uh, you know, we do that at our house because I'll because I'll t- my wife and I are going to go to a movie and then she'll say, "Well, what is did Robert see this movie and what does he think?" And if you like it, we don't go. And if you hate it, we're there. Like we've got tickets and wow, that is. <laughs> That is that is both we do have different tastes insulting at the same time. We do time. have different tastes I, in, in movies. Um, although you do. and I Typically, are on the yes. same boat with with Star Trek. Although I have to tell you, I'm not happy with Picard. Not, not feeling it. Well, it's dragging. I, you know, man. here's the thing: it is dragging a little bit. I I don't deny that. I do believe that it is dragging a little bit. But I'll, I'll say this: they are clearly clearly making an homage to Star Trek 4 their the voyage home there there there's so many fan service moments even down to the fact you know and I'm not spoiling anything for anybody who hasn't seen it but there's a scene where two of them you know are on a bus and there's a punk rock guy you know playing loud music and in voyage home it's the exact same scene they ask him to turn off the music and in voyage home the you know the 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 punk rock guy gets all upset and starts to beat them up and then spock of course gives him the the shoulder you know pinch and he passes out and everybody on the bus claps and in this one the punk rock guy basically apologizes and turns down the music it's cute it's a cute totally fan service moment but it's they're clearly playing you know so if you if you're if you're a fan of voyage home and the tone of voyage home which is very fun and light and and all of that this is this is that's more picard this season yeah. For sure, I, w- I would. It's not nearly as dark as last season was. I would have liked the whole setup. I think the, you know, you already talked about Q and everything. Whatever. I, I would have liked to see them do this as a movie, and then because that's 
they're just it's it may just be lo- too long yeah get into that may yeah Jeez. that may turn out to be yeah that may turn out to be we'll see we'll, we'll see, see. I'm, I'm hoping for a big twist and at the end of the last episode that i watched anyway there was a big twist i've missed the most current one because i'm obviously on the road but yeah it's uh we'll see okay yeah so then 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 i know we've got to get to some news and the only thing that i i i'm going to watch moon Knight based on a recommendation from from a friend in our uh tilt discord said it's the best disney uh series first series that that he's ever seen so okay and and, and that All was right. a, it's different than anything they've bar, ever done pretty much but it, it, it's a it's you know i mean i don't know that well that's not true actually now that i think that wandavision was great wandavision, WandaVision was, was so totally better than unexpected. WandaVision, that's that would be a yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't going to get into it because it looked pretty dark, uh, not really up my alley. But now I'm going to at least give the first episode a shot, and, and okay, we'll go from I'm going to do. I'm definitely going to give it a shot. Yeah, so. I definitely. I love that actor. That that actor is great. Oh yeah, it's, that's. Uh, I don't know the actor's name, but it's Poe from uh, Star Wars. I know. Yeah. Is the the same. Yep, absolutely. And um and uh, uh the dad from Dune. Yeah. Oh geez, I didn't didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Did go. we get any there you have did we it. get any news uh, we, over there in jolly we do old England? We actually have a show. Yeah, we do have a show from England here. We do indeed. Um, just a few stories to cover uh, off on the show. We have first of all uh, our dear friends at HubSpot, and I think you have a little bit of a scoop here, uh, HubSpot has announced that they've launched a creator program, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Vimeo, the, of course, uh, wannabe competitor to YouTube, private, you know, sort of creator sort of thing, has basically said, hey, get lost to content creators unless you pay up, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Then we'll talk about how Meta, our favorite, uh, our favorite new company here, formerly known as Facebook, has unveiled a Joe Polizzi special with a bacon cheeseburger <laughs> metaverse, um, which is just all sorts of fun. But then how the uh, the the Board Ape Yacht Club is sort of doing the opposite, right? Where they're actually bringing something into the real world. And then we'll sort of end with rants and raves, and I'm going to talk and rave a little bit about the Oscars again. And then I'm also going to congratulate uh, the uh, the former CMO of uh, Progressive, Joe Charney, and his new endeavor. And we'll talk a little bit about that. And you, you're I I I, I you're going to talk about Substack, something. On I you know Substack I got or... I got three I got three quick raves. One's Web three related, and and the other two are about uh, building a small audience and how that's being overlooked by a lot of people covering the space and. Uh, so we're going to talk about a couple of examples there. So very exciting, very exciting it. show. Again, very exciting. amazing, very, amazing very job you've exciting. done putting together this cornucopia of content news. Just uh, such a good job, and you were working all week. So I don't know how you did all this uh, stuff. Amazing. You know, I I, di- I did it as I was drinking a glass of wine last night, and it shows. <laughs> so and it shows. if it's <laughs> if this sounds like a drunk show, then that is exactly what it kind of was. Isn't that all uh, shows? I, I okay. realized. Yeah. I realized at 10 o'clock last night that I had not put the show notes together yet, and I said Joe's probably going to want those before we actually do this show. And I thought, huh? No, I went, right. to, well, I went to I went to I went to sleep so last night, and I was like. Uh, well, I'm sure they'll be there in the morning when I arise. <laughs> and there I'm they sure were. They were. And there they were. Yeah. Yes. It was great. There they were. And <laughs> all of their drunken, misspelled luxury. 
Uh, all right, let's move on to our first story here, which of course does come to us courtesy of, well, there's a number of organizations talking about this, but what we'll link to is the Business Journal, uh, and specifically the Boston Business Journal for some unknown, unrelated yeah, reason, right. other than the fact that <laughs> HubSpot is actually located there. Um HubSpot, uh, the wonderful sort of enterprise technology for inbound marketing, and I mean, I think they do everything but make you a sandwich these days. Uh, HubSpot launches accelerator program for creators. Uh, The article opens up by saying, Cambridge-based sales and marketing tech firm HubSpot, maybe that's the way to describe them, uh, is launching an initiative to support content creators, starting with podcasts called HubSpot Creators. The accelerator program announced its inaugural cohort on Wednesday. The eight podcast makers who were selected will produce audio shows across entrepreneurship, marketing, and technology. The creators will receive dedicated resources and networks to grow their brands, including a monthly pay. Other benefits include marketing budget, operational support, and cross-promotion through HubSpot's existing podcast network. HubSpot did not share how much it is investing in the new program, although it sounds like it's a bucket worth of pucks. Um, No, I'm kidding there. (laughs) Uh, In the accelerator, creators move through four standardized tiers across the network based on the performance of a podcast in terms of monthly downloads. Podcasts may be promoted in the next tier every quarter. So, and the article goes on to basically talk about, you know, uh, how they were looking at this like funding stages for a startup. It's a bit a bit structured like a venture kind of uh, round for these content creators. And you, I think, have a little bit of inside information on this. But what say you? This to me sounds like something very interesting, but it feels, I'm going to be honest, like a press release wrapped around something that already exists. But what what do I know? Well, uh, well, first of all, full disclaimer: uh, HubSpot is our presenting sponsor at creator economy expo so i mean i yeah they are very support they are they are part of their launch is this creator program at our event in may so i have um very warm feelings toward them right now because they they're helping us out uh and and i did and i have no one i i have warm feelings is that warm no i'm not even going to go there but go ahead keep keep going so um i I, the reason I like this program is because you and I called you and I called this a long time ago, and this was before HubSpot bought the hustle or anything. We talked about HubSpot being one of those companies that saw the importance of building a media company, a media network, if you will, and putting the resources behind it, and not always having to do it by creating their own stuff that they could actually go out and purchase some, do deals, do partnerships, whatever. And I, you know, first heard about this program. It was at least six months ago, so I'm glad they're finally getting it out there and doing this thing. So they already have this uh, pretty significant podcast network going. I've talked to some of the podcast network uh, creators that are part of that platform, and they're very happy because, especially because not only the payment but the co-promotion, because they all sort of promote each other as this network thing. And I think that was, Robert, their beta test, and they saw that it worked, and they're saying, okay, what now? And now I think what they're doing is they're not only going to go into the second version of this beyond beta and create more, uh, you know, increase the size of this podcast network, but they're going to launch new shows. They're doing contests around this. It's very exciting, some of the things that they're doing with current creators and creators that haven't done anything yet. So I think they're open to anything and giving somebody a chance – and I think their aspirations for this are large. And um, th- and I guess the reason, okay, HubSpot aside, 
this is an opportunity that every medium-sized or large company should be looking at. And I think this is probably going to be successful where they're looking at it. Look at Red Bull, right? Red Bull has Red Bull, the energy drink company, and Red Bull Media House. The two of them separate are both very valuable, but the two of them combined are even, you know, 3x, 4x, 5x that, what they can do, and take both of those out for a spin and combine them. Um, I think that podcasts are just the first step, and the um, press release here from Business Journal kind of goes into that, that it's not just going to be podcasts. They're going to look at um, other programming, newsletter providers, and things like that, so they're not necessarily going to create this content themselves. They're going to go out to companies and individuals that already have their own audiences and put them together saying that us together are more powerful than us individually. And, and here we go and we'll see, and we'll see how it goes. This is a great experiment. We don't know that how this is going to go, but it could be in the next couple of years that they, they could have the largest media network, one of the largest media networks on the planet because of this. So Agreed, I, and I and I, you know, I'm 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 a little snarky about it, but I do actually love this program, and I'm glad they're doing it because I think they're, you know, of of all the companies that are out there that we've talked about over the years that has, you know, had a stake in the ground when it comes to content marketing and the support of original content. It's been HubSpot. I mean, they, you know, they honestly were one of the OGs when it comes to you know, what we think of as modern content marketing all the way back to their book, you know, in 2007 and inbound and, and all the things that they've been doing. And they, you know, they've both talked the talk and walked the walk. So, and you're right, we called it, you know, early on here when we, when we, when they came out with the podcast network and we thought that they would start, you know, investing in content creators. Um, You know, I think to me, I'm hopeful that this doesn't just become dribs and drabs, right? I mean, I'm, what I, what I'm hopeful is that they'll, you know, they'll they'll actually lean into this, right? They'll lean into this idea, and that it's the kind of thing that will encourage other companies, to your point, to do the same, which isn't just you know investing in eight podcasters, yeah, but actually, but you know, but actually getting into people who own an owned media property or a magazine or building, you know, a, uh, a, a video show or a television show or building a newsletter or, you know, just really mixing it up so that you start to truly create an integrated media operation instead of just a handful of podcasts, um, which is very hot right now. Um, but honestly, when I look at it as a marketing strategy, I go, ah, yeah, marketing podcast, okay, I get it. But, uh, you know, this is, I want to see it more tightly, I guess, entwined in a, in a true marketing strategy in the long haul. And I totally get why they're doing podcasts now because it's so popular and it's easy and it's the kind of thing that makes it easy to experiment with. Uh, but the big news, I think, is for content creators to say, this is now becoming a thing. This is now something where you can actually start to look at possible partners like your HubSpot, whatever an industry you're in. That's exactly right. And start yeah. to say, you know, and say, how can I start to look at my peers and go pitch this to, you know, uh, a manufacturing company or a healthcare company or a retail company? Because they're all going to start doing this. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we have marketers and content creators that listen to this show. So if you're a marketer, 
Right. That's this this right. is the hub. Of course, mar- of course, it was going to happen in marketing and sales first. It makes the most sense to do that. We all buy into to, to doing these types of things. We're going to say, okay, we'll try it first in marketing. But this is going to happen, to your point, in, in every industry. You're going to have one or two or three of these. And it's almost like, whatever, seven, eight years ago when we talked about that the largest media companies in the future are not going to be the media companies. They're going to be Starbucks or Coca-Cola. Well, here's the example. Here's the example of what we're seeing. And uh, and then from a content creator standpoint, I think it's wonderful to say, what's the hardest thing for content creators right now? It's not creating the content. It's building the audience. It's findability. So if you have a big, co- big yeah. company like a HubSpot that's willing to put some money into promotion for you and say, hey, join our group and here's your benefits. And they actually, to your point, lean into this and give those that type of support to these people. I think we've got something here. So uh, to your point, you're right. If they don't lean into this, hopefully they will. I think they will. Um, it's not going to be successful. But yeah, this there's something here. And if I'm listening to this and I'm in a different industry, I'm very interested to see how this thing goes. Or I'm already starting to pilot something and say, hey, we don't have to do this all ourselves because there are 100 amazing content creators in our niche already doing this stuff, already building these audiences. So let's partner or buy or integrate or diversify or whatever you want to do. And and I think the time to get started in that is probably now. Yeah. And and so one thing just to clarify that just on my on my position here of leaning into the marketing side of this, what I really mean by that, and I actually I, I wrote a small piece on this for uh for CMI in the news not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, where I talked about uh this idea, which is if I'm the CMO of HubSpot, and I'm definitely not the CMO of HubSpot, but if I were, my biggest question about this kind of program would be, how is it helping us build our audience rather than helping content creators build theirs? And th- the primary goal of HubSpot here should be, yes, you're by, by default, you're helping these people give them a platform and distribution, and you're funding their their, you know, their dreams of being a content creator and, and, you know, and a, and a lovely uh, career that they want to build. But let's not forget the end goal here is not, you know, they're not in the business of being altruistic and finding the next star and seeing them build an amazing audience and away they go. They're there to build their audience and their reach and their engagement with an audience that's willing and needs to buy software. So I, I'm, you know, what I want to see is the tie-in, right? I, you know, I get that there's content, and I want to add. I want to make sure that we don't lose the marketing piece of it. I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I believe that that also you don't want to force that because the first thing you have to do is deliver value to the audience and to the creators. Agreed. And yes, of but it's just you- the reverse. It's the reverse of rented land, right? I mean, it's the reverse of rented land. I, you know, they are by by creating a content creators venture fund and in many ways what they're doing is they're they're buying you know they're buying a rented car you know what i mean and and what you have to remember is is that buying a rented car doesn't give you you know any 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 sort of institutional value you have to actually you know use that car for what it's for what it is giving you and what it is giving you is transportation in this particular case and so in this case they they should not forget that the the reason that they're doing this is because they're trying to get better at marketing not because they want a cool press release no true true but also if you look at our great example aero electronics 
that's why they had they set it up as a separate entity so that marketing right, couldn't have too much company. Yeah. They own those companies, right? Uh, they they own. They do. They do own that's them. The difference. But I think in some of these, and I don't have all the details, but I think in a lot of these cases, they're taking a little piece of things here and there. I don't think this is all just partnership, partnership thing. I think there's well, that's an interesting. Yeah, that's an, that's that would be an interesting clarification. I believe if they're funding is, a new show, I I don't know. Again, I don't. I, there shouldn't. Be, I should probably go yeah. ask them and see. I'll know. I'll know the answers to this in a little bit to see how they set it up. So we'll just leave it there. We'll have to stay tuned for CEX the update. Yeah, I'll know. I'll know, yeah, I'll know after uh, you know May fourth when we get done with uh, CEX Creator Economy Expo. I, I'll know exactly everything about the program because they're going to be talking about it to uh, to all the attendees. So. There you go. Well, there you yeah. go. There, there you have you it. Have there you it. have it. See, this is the first, the first episode and uh, the first news item in a drunkly put together news. It was cast. a good solid just start. A good solid we should start. Just I end think. the a episode good... right there because you can't improve. <laughs> upon perfection you can't improve that all right we are going to improve it however because we're going to move on to our next story which is vimeo uh this coming uh, courtesy of the verge by the way vimeo is telling creators to suddenly pay thousands of dollars or leave the platform popular patreon creators are being hit with unexpected vimeo price hikes as vimeo shifts its corporate strategy uh lois van barl uh says the article in its opening a digital artist based in the netherlands joined vimeo 13 years ago as a student studying animation it was still then an indie creator platform when van barl started making subscriber only patreon content in 2020 vimeo seemed like the best option for hosting her videos Patreon itself didn't offer video hosting, and YouTube didn't have the same features to protect her work, like controlling where her videos could be embedded. I was already paying $200 a year, which I think is pretty expensive, Van Barl says, but I thought, well, it's a quality platform. I, I should be giving her a Dutch accent, but uh, I, I don't do a Dutch accent. So anyway, she's uploaded 117 subscriber-only videos so far, and each one gets about 150 views on average. Her most viewed video has around 815 views. So the notice that Vimeo sent Van Barl on March 11th shocked her. Her bandwidth usage was within the top 1% of Vimeo users, the company said. And if she wanted to keep her hosting uh, on the site, she'd need to upgrade to a custom plan. Her quoted price, $3,500 a year. She was given a week to upgrade her content, decreasing her bandwidth usage or leave Vimeo. And the article goes on to talk about how Van Barl was quite alarmed at that. That price increase. Uh, some people have been asked for $7,000 a year, uh, all of these different kinds of things, price increases, uh, basically talking about how Vimeo has made it difficult now for content creators to afford what it's doing. Um, what say you, mister, with the content creators in the video? Is this, is this something that you think is alarming or do you think it's inevitable that, you know, the, somebody like Vimeo is going to raise their prices here? Look, I don't know the exactly how it played out but it seems like they just didn't telegraph this very well this is kind of standard practice if your usage goes up to a certain level you have to pay more they just must have made a corporate decision and say okay this is the way it is they didn't grandfather people in necessarily they didn't communicate it well enough i mean if you're on a mailchimp or something like that and you go from ten thousand subscribers to fifty thousand subscribers depending on whatever your usage is you're going to be paying a lot more per year a lot more than these numbers so first of all, I don't know if this is a story. I guess the other thing I would say is Vimeo really has positioned themselves, I believe, more as an enterprise play. 
for video hosting. So I'm not, I, maybe they're just saying, look, we're, we, this is not the type of business that helps us. We're going to go more for, toward the enterprise play. But if looking at it at face value with this one article, I would say, if you're going to do something like this, a Vimeo, you really need to get out in front of it from a communication standpoint. And maybe that's what they miss doing. Because the shocked. That's it's the shocked. It's oh my gosh! I didn't have any place to go, and now I've got to. In order to keep all my videos on there, I've got to pay now. Like that shouldn't happen. I'm wondering, did they, were they not reading all the newsletters? The, the emails coming? Like what? What happened there? That's my take. Yeah. I well, I guess what I'm confused about is so I'm a Vimeo user, right? Um, and uh, I. Basically, you know, I, I I don't do a lot of traffic and a lot of my videos, you know, but it's similar in, uh, I guess, plays to what she's seen, what the person in, mentioned in the article has seen. And I guess it's just a little weird because as soon as I saw this article, I was like, well, I'm a Vimeo user. I'm not a heavy user yep. again, but I bought a plan like three years ago and uh, all of that. And and I just went and looked at my my plan and the upgrade options and and basically the most expensive plan I can find is seventy five bucks a month and that's and that gets me seven terabytes of total storage and unlimited live streaming. I, I'm just I guess I, it's it's I don't see it. You know, I, so you're I, not words, seeing. I, so you're not seeing. This this would surprise you. You haven't seen anything regarding a price increase. You didn't. No one's emailed me. Yeah, they. I I have not received a, uh, an email from from Vimeo saying, "Hey, you need to, you know, do uh do an upgrade or you yeah. know pay." Th- I mean, I just don't see how you get to thirty five hundred dollars a year for 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 uh you know for for an enterprise plan because I don't even see that that that's an well, option. It sounds like an open and shut <laughs> case. If you're not seeing it, then this is fake news. Well, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, let's be honest. But it is kind. Of, yeah, it is a little excessive if you're going from two hundred to thirty five hundred a year. That's. I mean, that's weird. And then the one, the example in here that talks about okay, I went, I was paying a couple hundred bucks, and then I was charged three thousand. But I, but I looked at the data and I got it down to twenty five hundred. I mean, it's some strange stuff going on. But again, Patreon is in here. Um, you know, talking about uh, launching their own video service. So this is an opportunity for other, you know, creator-led services, if you will, that want this type of business to really take some a bite out of Vimeo's apple, as they would say. So, <laughs> right, who, who drink the milkshake? Yeah, who, who knows? But that my take was, I I thought that they were going enterprise anyways. I see your point about maybe this is just some weird happenings here. I didn't know if this was just somebody like at the verge saying, Oh, I got a couple really good examples and wow. I don't know if this is a trend, if this is really a thing. But the to cut it off at the top one percent of bandwidth is just odd, right? The to, what does that yeah, tell you? Just, the top one percent so I mean, you could have a lot of variation at the one percent. I mean, look at the top one percent of wealthiest Americans. You know, you you'll go from Elon Musk, it's at a hundred billion or something like that, down to uh, you know, somebody making five million. Well, here's the thing uh, that it just doesn't. Uh, how does someone with a hundred a hundred videos, right? 
getting on the average of 150 views total on average and the most viewed video at 815 how is that even close to the 1% of all Vimeo users? That's what I'm saying. It's got to be it's got to be totally strange. So that, so that means the other 99% are really not getting a lot of views, which is odd if yeah. they're focusing more on enterprise maybe maybe I'm incorrect about that. So well, this whole this whole thing just seems like a uh, just there's something there's something fishy going on here. That's that's what I got to say. Mm, something we'll have fishy. to do some further research. <laughs> some some more some more drunken research. Dr- yeah. Yes. And see what's going to happen here as this plays out. All right. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move along yes, here to our it. next story here, which um, this is coming from uh, Facebook, which there's a buried lead here, uh, I think. But uh, let me ask you about it once I when I get there because I'm I'm just not sure about this. Um, so the, we're going to pair a couple of articles here because the two articles that we've uh, we've found sort of complement each other. And the first one comes to us courtesy of Media Post, uh, and it's uh, Meta unveils its uh, unveils unveils its glimpse of the future uh, metaverse branding, and apparently it's bacon. And so they just wanted to get bacon in the headline. Clearly, uh, the article opens up by saying the full realization of the metaverse is still five to ten years away. Meta projected in a blog post announcing the early glimpse of what it might end up looking like, but apparently. It will be Bacon, specifically a virtual version of quick service restaurant chain Wendy's popular Baconator. That boy, they spent, I'll bet the writer on that spent weeks on that first paragraph. Um, Wendy's apparently is offering new opportunities for fans to interact with the company, its food, and even each other. Meta posted announcing a virtual space Wendy's has developed for its brands in a cartoon fantasy experience called Horizon World. So this is Meta's Horizon World, I guess. The other article that we'll link to sort of talking about this uh, kind of non-event here is from uh, AdAge. Uh, and AdAge basically has a similar type of approach to it, but basically goes into a little more of how it's Meta's Horizon World. Did you did you know that that this Horizon World thing was open no, and available? I, and maybe I'm just I out didn't of know, the loop? Yeah, I didn't know it was a thing, but I don't have an Oculus or anything like that either, so I haven't. Which, which I think, I mean, I guess, I guess you can go to the the flat web version if you wanted to go to Wendy's bacon cheeseburger world or what baconator world, uh, but right. but it works best with an Oculus, which is, is really probably the whole reason behind Meta doing this because they want to sell more Oculus devices. I see, right? And the best way to do that, of course, is to they need programming, make an ad for Wendy's. Yeah. Good. I think that's. I think well, this is and you and I talked about Meta's priorities. Yeah, are. we we talked about this a little bit before. Uh, this this is not Web three. This is just somebody. T- there's a there's a sponsorship that Wendy's did with Facebook putting this together, or they said we need a good, we need something out there for content. Would you do this with us? I mean, who's this is what we saw early web stuff of a little game on the web. Right. It's like, oh, it's a branded right. game. That's what this is. It's just a branded game and you can use your Oculus device to see it in a virtual setting. I, I this is this is only news because it's 2022. In 2024, this right. this is not That's going right. to be a thing. Yeah. Well, and so we're going to pair it with another story here which is uh actually the exact opposite. It's the mirror image of this particular uh, idea, which is uh, the Board Ape Yacht Club owner, 
who basically purchased uh, a board ape uh, NFT has used his IP ownership in the NFT to actually open uh, a new restaurant. So the article that we'll, uh, we'll actually link to comes from hypebeast.com. And basically that article opens up by saying, according to reports, Los Angeles restaurateur uh, Andy Nguyen is actually planning to open the very first restaurant based on the Bored Ape Yacht Club. Nguyen hopes to show how the marketing potential of the Bay, uh, the, the uh, uh, Bored Ape Yacht Club and NFTs can translate into the real world with his venture. Known for creating exciting food concepts, Andy is a co-founder of After's Ice Cream, Matt Black Coffee, Pig Pen Delicacy, Portside Fish Company, Dough and Arrow. I mean, it goes on and on to the number of restaurants this guy owns. Uh, he spent $267,000 earlier this month to purchase Board Ape number 6184 and two more mutant apes to basically get their IP rights and has now plastered that all over as a brand called Board and Hungry. The uh, Board Ape Yacht Club restaurant will launch as a pop-up in April 9th in Long Beach, California, et cetera, et cetera. And according to Andy, the reason he did this was to make a statement to the public, letting them know that this JPEG could be utilized to turn into a brand ecosystem for the restaurant world. So uh, this, uh, this is very, very interesting to me because this is actually turning into – this is, you know, you are taking – what you own, I guess, which is this NFT, and actually turning it into a real-world brand, which theoretically has implications for all the other owners. So as another owner, I may feel great about this or I may feel awful about this. What, what say you? No, it, it's going to help everyone because that's what a lot of people don't understand when you, when you talk about right-click save on the JPEG. It's like, oh, I could just take the image. Well, the more people do that, the more it gets out in the world and actually the more value because you're just virally sharing this stuff. Everyone else gets value out of that too, that owns this thing that can use these types of IP rights. So you could do this with beer, with coffee, with pop-up stores, with any products, whatever, because if you own this NFT for Board Ape Yacht Club, you get the IP rights to use that. So, and, and you get the 10,000 10, other owners in that community, plus you add on the mutant apes and all the other subsidiary ones they have. I don't know how many owners they have, but it's a lot. So you've got this, uh, you know, vivacious community already there. And of course, then you've got the marketing value here. This is, this is interesting, right? That this is not the company. Yeah, this is totally decentralized. This is not the company doing this. It's not Yuga Labs that started this whole thing. This is just an individual no, owner exactly. that can take this. And that's why this is more Web3 than what we were talking about with Wendy's. For sure, because yeah, this is it, truly, I have bought an NFT, and now I can do things with this because the smart contract tells me I can. So That's right. And he's, he's basically, theoretically, making his one NFT in that collection more valuable and, theoretically, again, making the entire collection more valuable because he's actually associating it with you know, I mean, let's hope for all the owners' sake, right? I mean, I have to think all the owners are of other board apes are saying to themselves, good Lord, I hope this restaurant works, and I hope it's good, because if it's not, if people start to hate it and start to associate board apes with bad food and bad quality and a bad brand, it hurts everybody. So it's sort of a double-edged sword, right? I mean, it, it's basically whoever can move the fastest here to start to create the brand perception over the fractionalized ownership of the thing that I have 
is sort of in the in the driver's seat, and you as a as a collector are either going, you know, you're you're sort of you know, it's it's not unlike having stock in a company that you don't control the complete you know yeah. direction of the company because they can go any direction they want. Just think about it. it's so odd though. This is just such a weird situation. I don't even know how to take it, but we we covered Mr. Beast Burger Chain that he launched whatever it was a year ago and how amazing right. that That's was. Exactly he built right. his audience yeah. on YouTube. He's launching all kinds of stuff. He launches the pop-up burger joints all over the place, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Say you're yeah. not a Mr. Beast. You could buy in at a I mean that bought it. What I bought in for two hundred sixty thousand dollars. but could have bought in for nothing. They were once selling for two hundred bucks. Could have bought in at nothing and get the branding equivalent to a what a Mr. Beast is doing because Board Eight Bell Club is the most well known, uh, most expensive, if you will, or most uh, uh, valuable NFT collection in the world. It's just so strange, and anyone can do this if you have that rights to do it. Right. That's exactly right. That the fact that you can you've you've got that. Well, and and, and so for example, you know, if if I'm not mistaken, you're an owner of a crypto dad. And if I'm not also not mistaken that a crypto dad's give you the same, same kind of IP of rights you do to the, the same NFT. Things. People are launch you can launch beer and coffee and t-shirts and all kinds of things. Yes. So you could literally create a crypto dad beer tomorrow with the image of my yeah, with the image with of my image on there. of your yep. absolutely could. Yes. Yeah, and and all of that goes strictly to you. There's no you know no no sharing that doesn't get shared with everybody else. That is all you. And the only thing that you own that is shared is the intellectual property of the concept. You know of the you know of the of the other crypto dads. So another crypto dad could do the exact same thing <laughs> and launch That's his right. crypto dad beer. And so you know it's basically a race to see who can who can who can launch well, the brand the fastest. And if you don't like beer and you own a crypto dad, you're kind of going, oh, that's a real bummer. I wish I, they hadn't done that, but they did. But it's and, they say, oh, I like coffee, so I launched coffee brand. I mean, so so. But the other, th- the, it goes the other way too because they were talking about this in the crypto dads Discord. They're trying to get a series. They were working with like somebody on Netflix or something to do a series, and they said if they do a series, they would select some of the crypto dads to be stars in that. They would have to reach out to the owners of those to get a, do a licensing deal with each one of those first before they can't just do it themselves. They have to own them. I thought that was interesting, right? Yeah. So, so they're like, hey, do that. I hope mine's chosen because then I'll get a licensing fee from being in those shows. So crazy. Right. Oh. Yeah, it's 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 a very interesting thing to watch for sure. And I'm going to watch this with, you know, because we had our, you know, we had our discussion last week about the the Bay, uh, the I keep wanting to call it a Bay Area, but it's just because I see the, the acronym for Bored Apes. Um, so it's Bored Apes Yacht Club. Yeah. Yeah, Basie just always makes me want to say Bay Area, but it's not. It's Board Ape Yacht Club, and the value that it can create. And sure, you know, sure enough, here we go. A week later, somebody's doing exactly that, right? And uh, you know, and the the fact that he's going to do a pop up means and is perfect, right? Because he's not investing in the entire thing. He's sort of taking advantage of the, you know, how popular the brand is right now, and you know. What you could theoretically do is if this took off, for example, he could build the infrastructure for his hamburger joint 
And today it's Bored Ape Yacht Club, you know, burgers, you know, as he said, you know, whatever it is, bored, bored and hungry. And then tomorrow the name changes to Crypto Dad Burgers. And then the name, and then the day after that, you know, basically take advantage of whatever the most popular brands are in NFTs at any given moment, buy an NFT and stick it on your products. And basically, you know, create private label brands for why? For why isn't yeah, for, Why isn't something like uh, Pez dispensers? Or I mean, you could do if you if you're Pez, you, you should buy, be buying six of these things, and then you launch your Board Ape Yacht Club Pez dispensers, right? That's right. It, that's right. Lipstick and yeah, shampoo, exactly right. and all goes down the line. If you're a bigger brand, you should be looking at this as a possibility of licensing that you just have to pay for once, which is cheap. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, and especially because you can you can wait till it becomes, you know, you you sort of have to either make bets on things that you think will become famous, or you sort of pay the premium for a brand that has already become famous, and you know, the it it, it becomes an instant instant recognizable brand. Yeah, like uh, and, yeah, like Visa and, owns, they own a CryptoPunk. They could come out with, I, I, they're, they're, they've changed their licensing recently since Yuga Labs purchase them so i get think you get full ip rights to those too they could create their own visa card oh i'm sure yeah and push it to all crypto punks yeah i mean it's just it's just crazy the the amounts of things that you could do but talking about it the the thing that i can't get past is as a creator as a media company you have to build these things that it takes time and you have such you have few hits and then you get them and then you can license those things or now you just can buy into it is it NFT and then leverage that with current products you have? I just, oh my God, who knows where it's yeah. going to go? It is very, it is a, it is a very, very, very interesting time. All right, let's uh, let's move on to rants sure. and raves. Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, we we've got uh, a couple of little rants or a couple of little raves that Joe and I are thinking about that makes us feel like uh, we just got slapped in the face by Will Smith or <laughs> that we're. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. Yeah, with you that. should just stop right there. That's enough. That's enough. Yeah. That's, oh my gosh. Uh, there's been some funny memes. I have to say, there has been some funny, funny, funny memes that I've seen out there. And uh, and yeah, I'm. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. I should just stop. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. All right. Do you want yeah. to go first? Or I, I, I will. Go I'd be happy to go first. I've got two examples. I've been talking with a lot of people about this idea of you know minimum viable audience and you don't need a large audience to succeed. And I got a couple of really good examples. I'll put these in the show notes. One's from Simon Owen's uh, media newsletter. Uh, we've talked about Simon's great work uh, as part of this podcast before, but he, t- he has a story here, just came out, how a podcast for entrepreneurial parents generates $200,000 a year. And what I love about this is um, Sarah Peck in May was generating only around 2,000 downloads per episode and its newsletter was even smaller. And despite those low numbers, she was on track to generate $200,000 in revenue for that year. And, and it goes through the whole thing. And, wow. and it's, it's like a, a small user group of incubator. of So it's, it's a high priced ticket, but you only need a few people to buy into that. And she's done really well. And so I just love that idea of you can create these very uh, intricate, uh, high experience uh 
pieces of revenue, if you will, that don't need a thousand people or 10,000 people or a hundred thousand people to sign up to them. It just needs a few. So it really does go back to Kevin Kelly's thousand true fans or what Legion calls a hundred true fans. So I've got that one. And then a shout out, same thing, same path. Shout out to our friend Jay Akunzo launched a program. We'll put this in the show notes called Elevate. And he's doing a small cohort program. I think it's only eight. He's looking for like eight B2B marketers to to go through like an accountability series. So it's a little bit high price, but it's the same type of thing. So if you wanted to work on this with a small group of people, um, you can get involved in that. I think his next group starts on April 11th. If you're interested in something like that, you can go ahead and check the show notes. We'll put it in there. But I love this idea of... You know, we don't have to create products that we charge a little bit to and have to sell a ton of them. We could we could create something really amazing and just focus on a couple people to do it. So that's the one. And then I wanted to put this in the show notes because you and I have been talking about Web3 and going back and forth on all this stuff. And there was a article that Mark builds it as his uh, name in our uh, Tilt Discord group. This article is from Rex Woodbury. It's called Most People Won't Even Know Web3 Exists. And you and I have been talking about this. It's, it's the idea that Web3 is a back-end revolution. And I like this if you don't understand what's going on with Web3. He, he basically talks about smart contracts are used in vending machines. We don't know how these things happen, but you just push what you want and you get a whole bunch of math happens and you put in the money and you get that out. And he said, that's what Web3 is going to be like. We won't even know it happens, but it's going to be happening all over the place. So really goes through about all these myths, if you will, that you don't need to understand this. Web3 wallets are just wallets and public keys are just like a padlock. And he goes through an easy way to understand them. So if you're having trouble uh, really understanding Web3 and how to make it simplified. I thought this was a really good article, so I'll go ahead and put this in the show notes. That's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny to me how many of the technologies from early Web 1.0 are still with us. You know, it's like, you know, the whole the whole idea of of domains, for example, right? Where I can remember back in the day, you know, whether it was 2002, 2003, people would predict, you know, it, it, similar predictions were made, yeah. right? And 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 by the way, similar predictions came true. In other words, some of the things that we 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 so often associated with being complex and technical and you know was hard to understand about web 1.0 like web hosting and how did you know how did that all work and how does it work that uh, you know search engines and all those kinds of things and html and and all that most of that sort of went away over the course of uh many many years and you have now you know complete no code platforms where you can you know you can design a website basically by clicking and dragging some photos around right yeah. i mean it's it's it, it's that kind of thing but other things like domains for example were all long predicted to go away like you know oh there there will be no more domains you'll just type in you know walmart into your browser and away you go right and it's interesting how some of those things have stuck around right that that you know you still kind of need to know what what it you know things like HTTP and you know those kinds of things is, are, are still still like you still see the inner exactly. workings of yep. it's kind of it's kind of weird it's it's just it's just weird about which things stick around and which ones don't I thought this one thing uh, this one really hit me hard because he was talking about the author was talking about decentralization he says decentralization is an intimidating word 
So humans gravitate to centralization. He says, really, what we're talking about is removing the middleman. That's what this is. <laughs> that res- right. that yep. resonates with people. So he's talking about the whole marketing and how this is you know, not marketed well. We've talked about how horrible NFTs are. These, the, all these things we're talking about are so early stage. We're not going to be talking about them the same way. Everything's going to be a little bit different. Uh, but the, the, the facts here are that this is something that's really going to start taking hold. And don't get caught up in some of the some of the nomenclature, if you will. So there you go. I think that's I think that's exactly. What, so what right. do you what I do you got exactly for, right. for your rave rant? I got commentary. I got two quick I got two very very quick things. The first is is that I just wanted to make a note, you know, sort of for history. Um, you know, we'll link to a, a lengthy article from the Associated Press on the on the Oscars. Um, you know, any long term fan or listener of this show will have heard us talk about and heard me talk about just about every year uh, on the Oscars about how they've evolved and how the media business has evolved as a as a function of that. And I just want to note that the best picture, uh, the best picture of the year now belongs to Apple. Like if you had told if you had told us, you know, 10 years ago, that best picture at the Oscars will go to a tech company called Apple. You you would have been like, are you? Cr- that's that's insane. We, w- that, we wouldn't that, have. That's absolutely insane. We were talking about that. We you know, yeah. No, we wouldn't have necessarily. <laughs> but it would have, the, the general the general public would have that don't drink. You know, a, yeah. Okay, I get you. Okay. That you know that you know that Amazon was nominated. You know, and that Apple was nominated. And and these are these are traditionally not uh, media companies that have now started to win Best Picture. Uh, awards from the Academy Awards, and you know, and and also the 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 way the disruption that streaming has truly provided here, you know, uh, Jessica Chastain won for Best Actress for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is you know a, a very yeah it's a fine you know it's a fine streaming movie if you're bored one night right and. It was actually so. One of the rules, of course, to be qualified for the Academy Awards is that it does have to run theatrically, right? You have to run a the movie theatrically for some for some uh, for some amount of time, and it ran theatrically and was a box office bomb. I mean, you know, it made like you know a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. It was just nobody went to see it, but of course, it earned all of its sort of traction when it got to streaming, and so the whole calculus of how movies are now being considered for Academy Awards has just completely upended and onto itself. And, you know, so here's the prediction for the next 10 years is that when are we going to see a company like Salesforce or HubSpot or GE win an Academy Award for a movie for best documentary or for best, you know, television series for a Golden Globe or something like that? I think those days are coming very, very quickly. No, no, totally agree. Absolutely. Um, And the second thing is, I just want to give a shout out um, to, uh, you know, he he probably won't even remember me, uh, to be honest with you. But I met Jeff Charney, uh, who was the uh, CMO of Progressive Insurance and is really the sort of, I don't know, uh, you know, <laughs> I get in trouble sort of associating creative ideas with <laughs> CMOs these days, you know, going back to our Coinbase mm-hmm. uh, Super Bowl ad. But, you know, he was in charge when all of those amazing, you know, progressive commercials flow and all of the different things that you associate with progressive and funny television brand campaigns and all of that. 
he he was the guy around, and he's always been a huge fan of content, spoke at Content Marketing World. Uh, he has now left, of course, Progressive Insurance, and he's launching his own marketing uh, uh, agency. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. It's M-K-H-S-T-R-Y. What is it? It's like that... It's like the evil guy in Superman, like Mr. Mixtaplix or whatever, yeah. right? It's I don't know what it is. So I don't love the name, uh, Jeff, but I do uh, love what you're doing, and I want to congratulate him because he's just it, he's you know he's nuts uh, in a good way, and I I just think it's great that he's out there um, launching something independent, and and it should be really cool, and he's you know getting into the creator economy and Web three and all sorts of things. Uh, so I expect big things, and I just wanted to give his new agency a shout out there. So, yeah, I have to go. I have to call on him because it says it is a virtual collective of creatives, but headquartered in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, yeah, oh, he's sticking around dude, in Cleveland. Yeah, I'm, it's like I'm right here. Yeah, it's like call me and talk to me about the name we, first, man. That's right, <laughs> Mister Mix. We like vowels. Nothing wrong with that's vowels. Right. We like vowels in Cleveland. You do like, like your vowels. vowels in Cleveland. There's e's. You and do a's. like the vowels in Cleveland. Yeah, that's a couple right. Couple e's and a's in that name, and I could pronounce it. No, congratulations, Jeff. That's right. Cool guy. We both met him. He spoke at Content yeah, Marketing he's a really World. Really cool guy. He was on yeah. the cover of Chief Content Officer magazine, and that was a great cover. And uh, tattooed yeah. all up. I love him. Great guy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Not the guy that you would expect to be the CMO no. of an insurance company, but there. One it is, of the reasons, right? probably why. He was successful. He was so different than anybody else coming out of there. So there you go. Yeah, that's very yes. true. That's very true. All right. Well, uh, I'm going home from uh, London on Saturday. Oh. I got tomorrow off and going to hang you. out with my wife, and we're going to have a good time. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. How about uh, you? Well, tomorrow is end of last chance pricing for CEX, Creator Economy Expo. People are probably getting sick of me pushing this thing, but I'm going to push it. So you, I would like. I expect all this old marketing listeners to be there. I'm sorry, I do. Do you? Yeah, my expectations are high. Yes. yes, yeah. Use what do I have? I have all kinds of coupon codes. Use Polizzi, P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I. You get yourself a nice discount. I want to see you there. If we get enough of them, you know, if we get enough this old marketing listeners, we can get together with them and meet them in person. Robert, would we well, want to do that? That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. Do we? Uh, do they want to meet us? I don't know that they would want to do I that. Know. I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know that. Well, they Robert would and I are going to be but, there together, and you're, we're going to be talking. We are, and we love to talk with all of you. And you can tell us what we shouldn't be talking about in our opening bits. And <laughs> <laughs> our opening bits. Our opening bits. Would we call them bits? I would call really? them bits. Would we call them bits? I would call it because okay. you you basically right. throw out something. That I react to. Yeah. Because I don't ever know what you're talking about, what you're going to say. I see. And then I react to it. And then 10 minutes commences on tomfoolery. On the bits. On the bits. On the kibbles and the bits. bits. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, you have a safe travel travel home. Thank you very much. uh, Thank you very much. All right, folks, that is it. We're going to sign off and get out of here so that I can get back across the pond. Um, In the meantime, while I'm flying back, if you want to get all the wonderful goodness of this podcast show notes or dive into any of the other 316 episodes, which just seems amazing to me that we have that many, just head on over to our website, won't you? Thisoldmarketing.site. Remember the Twitter questions, hashtag us up. Story ideas, we love that. Hashtag us up at thisoldmarketing on the tweeter. Uh, And until we meet again next week, remember, folks, it is your story to tell. 
tell it well. See you next week on This Whole Farm.